Hello, everyone, and welcome to my new episode of the Replenish Me Show, where I interview awesome and amazing women like today's guest, um, so that you learn new strategies to heal yourself by nourishing with wholesome food, energizing with movement, and reframing your perspective with sweet talk so that you can change that inner dialogue with yourself. So today, I'm interviewing one of my OGs <laughs> from way back, right? So this is Anitra Duran Allen, and she has two lovely daughters who are high achievers. One is an athlete, and one is a um, performing artist. But one of the, that, that's one and the same person, isn't it, in one case? No, no, no. My, um, Olivia is my oldest daughter. She mm -hmm. is a performing artist as well as uh, runs a nonprofit. Okay. And Alexandra is the youngest, and she's the athlete. Okay. In both cases, they're highly gifted, just like their mother, who gave up her six-figure engineering um, career to support the endeavors of her daughters. And I think that's so powerful, right? Because our daughters are so strong. I bet you knew when they were babies that it was like, oh, yep, she's going to be somebody in this world. Let me just see how I can support that. So let, let's talk about that. And welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So tell me your story. Like how, like when did you realize that you needed to um, be that mom? You know, not the one, you know, there, there are moms that just push their kids to do stuff, but then you're the mom that recognized the genius and said, okay, this is a very important thing. Yeah, so... I think I've kind of always known that my children uh, were high achievers and were going to be gifted and special in some way, primarily because as a former gifted child myself, I could see the signs in them very early. Um, both of my girls uh, started reading by age three, um, and they were always very attentive and insightful as young people, as, as children, as toddlers. And I just, I knew that there was going to be something different. There's going to be something special about them. And, and not in the way that all parents think that their kids are different and special. And, and we all should, because they are very different and very special. And every child has a unique brilliance uh, within them that as parents, I fully believe it's our job to help them discover and to nurture. But at the age of two, Olivia uh, went with, we took our family to see The Lion King when it was touring uh, after for its first Broadway tour. And at two years old, she sat on the edge of her seat, glued, <laughs> mesmerized by, you know, the spectacle of it all, of, of what was happening. So, so we knew that she had the bug. We knew that, you know, she was going to be a performing artist. Sorry, it's a little loud outside that window. <laughs> That's okay. You're in New York City, right? <laughs> right exactly. <laughs> That's where we oh. are. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and we knew that we were going to have to make some changes and um, 
have a, a unique approach um, to nurturing those gifts within her. Alexandra, on the other hand, she started off actually with a developmental delay. She did not walk until she was probably 20 months old. Um, she did a lot of crawling and she did a one-legged crawl. <laughs> so we had to go through occupational therapy, but she was over two years old before she started talking. Oh, wow. And even though we knew that she understood and she comprehended and she heard, you know, cause that was one of the things it's like, does she even hear us? Cause sometimes even still today, she ignores us. <laughs> she's always Selective hearing. <laughs> yes. She is selective. Um, but she's always been that kid who gets, she entertains herself and you know, she doesn't need anybody to keep her entertained. But I could say to her at two years old, Alexandra, go bring me the blue cup from the kitchen table. And she would go bring me the blue cup from the kitchen table. So I know she heard me. She understood blue and interpreted it. She right. knew what the kitchen was and what the table was and what a cup was. So we didn't think anything of it. You know, we just thought she talked when she felt like it and she didn't really have much to say. <laughs> <laughs> but her uh, pediatrician was the one who told us, you know, this it, it's a developmental delay. And so we fought to get her the services and the therapy that she needed, both speech and occupational therapy. But through that process, I learned that as a parent, you are your child's first and best advocate. Yeah. And it taught me that whatever my kid needs, all I have to do is do the research and be persistent in delivering on that and requesting and knowing what it is that she needs and what, what we will accept and what we won't accept. <laughs> um, and to push for that. And so when we got her those services um, through that process, she started preschool in one of the public school systems. Um, and th that began our, our journey and our process of, you know, fiercely advocating for our children to get what we know they desire and deserve and need. Uh, and, and it was her preschool, preschool teacher we put both of our girls in a Montessori school, you know, that helped confirm for us what we already knew. We knew that she was gifted. We knew that she was bright. We knew that she was intelligent. Um, but her preschool teacher at the end of her preschool year said, I can't do anything with this kid in kindergarten. She needs to go to first grade. Yeah. And, and so she started off in first grade and, you know, we went from there and it was an eye opening experience to help us identify how to see the brilliance in our children and then what it takes to advocate and uh, fight for them to get what they deserve. I want to pull out a couple of things here. So very key point that a lot of people get concerned and worried, right? With those developmental delays. But mm -hmm. I like how you were really mm, accepting of just the way she was, you know, just her state of being. Yeah. And even with the direction of the, you know, pediatrician, you still didn't, it didn't cause alarm for you. You were very going with the flow. And so, you know, as parents, sometimes we always worry about our children because we love them so much, mm -hmm. but we can't support them from that place of being stressed out and afraid. So right. I like the way you and your husband like embrace it. Okay. That's, good information to have. 
Mm-hmm. So let me see how I can support her in that way. And then, you know, you went ahead and when she was in school, again, you accepted the information from her teacher and, you know, you know, again, you didn't right because then on the other end of the spectrum, sometimes we as parents were like, what my kids gifted, I'm going to put them, you know, in college, right? You know, you were just like, okay, cool. First grade, we can do that, you know? Yeah, and I think, I think it's important, um, and I'm glad that you pointed that out, because I do think a lot of times as parents, we allow what other people tell us to dictate what we think and what we feel, yes. not only about our children, but even about ourselves, and that has never been, um, it has never been our approach. I will take the information that you have given me, I will weigh it against my own you know, thoughts and feelings and, you know, and what it is that I can find out. And then we work together as a team, as partners to help support my child. I am a firm believer that wherever our children are, even if it's, you know, in the classroom or with a coach, you know, or with a teacher or with a, you know, whatever it is that they may be doing. Obviously my, my kids are athletes and artists, so they have lots of coaches and teachers, but we work together. To, to create the best situation for my child because you have 120, I have one. And that's the one that I'm concerned about. So let's work together. Let me help you help my child in the best way possible. And as their parent, as the parents of these people that we you know, lived with in our bodies as mothers, <laughs> for, as biological mothers for nine months, that we live with and nurture every single day we are their best advocate and we have to not allow our emotions to boss us around and to take the information from other people who do spend a significant amount of time we had we had a disagreement with one of our uh teachers one of alexandra's preschool teachers who wanted us to have her evaluated for adhd and she was so scared <laughs> to tell me that she thought we needed to have her evaluated for ADHD. She had been a teacher of Olivia's. Um, we had had some differences of opinion in, in the way that she was uh, educating Olivia. And Alexandra's a different kid. You know, she's, she's totally different. And I wouldn't have chosen her for Alexandra, but that's what they did. That's, that's where they put her. So, you know, we, we, we rolled with it. No big deal. And so I, you know, my husband in the, in the conversation, you know, the teacher dropped the ADHD bomb that a lot of people take as, you know, the kiss of death. And my husband kind of scooted his chair back and looked at me out of the corner of his eye to see what I was going to do. And I said, okay, I hear what you're saying. You spend a significant amount of time with her during the day. I'll take it in and evaluate it and I'll do what I want to do with it. And what we did was we had her evaluated outside of the school system. Yes. For a couple of reasons. Number one, this woman spends a good deal of time with my kid, and she spent a great deal of time with hundreds of other kids over the course of a 20-year teaching career at that point. I'm not going to completely dismiss what she's saying, right? She's seen hundreds of kids. She has some perspective that is she's bringing to the table that I can't immediately dismiss. But I also don't have to do it your way. (laughs) And so 
we had her evaluated with a psychologist outside of the school system who came back and said, not only is she not ADHD, she's too smart for that environment and she knows it. (laughs) She knows that uh, she can manipulate that situation Mm -hmm. and that's what she's doing. Um, And I, you know, we, we had a, a difference of opinion in the in the post conversation um, after that evaluation, but I never want to be that mom. And I, I, when I work with families, you know, I always tell them, you got to put your feelings to the side. You got to take your emotions out of this for a moment, and don't allow yourself to stand in the way of what your child needs. Don't allow your emotions to prevent you from getting your child what it is that they need. You know, and and let's not talk about, you know, basic services, right? We're not even talking about, you know, human survival and in the hierarchy of needs, self-preservation. Like, let's beyond, beyond food, shelter, clothing, there are needs that your children have. And as parents, we can't allow our emotions to stand in the way of getting them what they need. So let's drill down into that. That was what I was going to ask you. So what is your inner process? To, to detach emotionally from the situation and just look at the facts. And this is um, because what you're saying is y- you or we as parents actually are responsible for the records, right, that are, we're creating in our kids' heads. So how, how do you go through that process? So as a, a, a certified life coach, um, one of the processes that I like to take my families through um, is a, it's a thought process that I learned in the life coach school with Brooke Castillo and it, and it works every single time. Um, and it's basically circumstances, facts, actions, thoughts, results, right? I, I take circumstances, facts, actions, thoughts, results. So you're, um, and I, the F is feelings, not facts. So circumstances, whatever the predicament you're in, will then dictate your feelings about something. And those feelings will take over your thoughts about that particular issue. And those thoughts will lead you to take action, and the action that you take ends up in whatever results you get, right? And so I always like to use this example of a car accident, right? You're, you are in your car and you're late to work. That is the circumstance. That is the undisputed fact about the situation. Your feelings about that situation um, are dictated by your perspective, right? So at that moment, if you're thinking, I'm late, uh, my boss is going to get angry with me when I get to work, I could lose my job, you know, I could go through all of these (laughs) different things that are happening, you're... the feelings dictate your thoughts, right? You have anxiety, you have fear, you have concern, you have worry, and then that takes over your thoughts. And then based upon those thoughts, you might take action. You may try to go around the accident. You may try to change lanes. You may try to find a different route. Um, You may call in sick that day, which could have other consequences. Um, Those actions are based upon your thoughts. And your results, the end result, is, is based upon your action, right? I always tell people no one can make you do anything, and every choice that you make will have a consequence. Could be good, could be bad, but they all have consequences. Now, let's 
add an element to this conversation. Once you arrive at the accident, you realize that it was a fatal accident and maybe, you know, someone's lost their life. That's going to change your feelings about that situation. And it's going to change your thoughts about that situation. And it's going to impact your actions and how you respond to that, even though the circumstances are exactly the same, right? And so if we are able to take a step back from the feelings, the thoughts, and the actions that usually lead us to making choices that sometimes we might regret or sometimes might not be the best choice, and just focus on the circumstance and realize that the undisputed facts of the situation are how we should be guiding our decisions, that is where it kind of helps you to remove that emotion, you know, from the situation and just evaluate the thought process. Because we usually go from circumstances to action. And we yeah. skip over the fact, you know, that the feelings and the thoughts are what really drive our action. Um, and it's a process. It takes work. It doesn't happen overnight. But if you're able to break all of that down from the first step to the fourth step, as opposed to going straight from step one to straight step four, which is what we often do, um, then it, it really helps for you to take the emotion out of that process. Yes. Wow. Really good points. And that's true. We so often do just jump straight from circumstance straight into action. And we don't give ourselves that pause, you know, which is basically what you're saying is to pause for a minute and like, let's line up, you know, how is this circumstance making us feel? And these are my thoughts. What should be my proper action? So I like that. And so tell me, you, you're working, you, you went through, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on. So you're a mom on the move with these two high achievers and you're life coaching people? What <laughs> yeah. about that? So I, you know, I actually, when I left corporate America in 2014, um, I left, I was planning to leave in August and the temporary contract that I had ended very abruptly in, in July. And I believe 100% that that was God releasing me from the situation and saying, go ahead, it's okay. Finally <laughs> <Because> ordained. <laughs> literally every day up until that point, you know, um, my husband and I had the conversation. I would wake up and say, can I quit today? And he would like, he would say, show me the plan, show me the money, and you can quit. <laughs> and on that day, July 7th, 2014, I woke up and I looked at him and I said, can I quit today? And he said, go ahead. I know you hate it. And I said, you know what? I'm going to stick to the plan. I'm going to do what we said we were going to do. And by the end of that day, they had ended my contract. Um, and I knew that I was going to be leaving anyway because I was working on my certification in life coaching um, to help support families through the process of communication. I spent 15 years in corporate America the large majority of it in medical devices, but my primary function was project management. And so my job was to make sure that the communication and the implementation between the people on the ground and the executives was clear, was thorough, and was on target. Uh, and if things were going to shift, if the schedule was gonna change, um, if more resources were needed, 
um, if we had status updates and reports, that was my job was to be able to understand both what was happening on the ground and what the executive expectations were. And what I have done and what I realized is a lot of times as moms, we go to work and we can kill it. And then we come at home and we're so frazzled because we're trying to use some unwritten rule book that things at home have to work differently than things at work. And that's not, it's not true at all. It's a fallacy. Your boss is a person. Your spouse is a person. <laughs> your coworkers is a person who there are people who need direction and instruction. And, you know, if you have employees that work for you, they need support. Your children are people who need direction and instruction and need support. And so all of the things that I use at work to manage time, to manage communication, to manage our schedules, to resolve conflict, all of those skills that we learned at work, I just took them and created a system for people to use at home. And it works <laughs> because it's because we're people at the end of the day and we want to separate work and home in our minds so much that we miss the practicality of the things that actually are successful at work can be those same things that are successful at home. So yes, I uh, do coach <laughs> uh, families, especially those uh, with high achieving children because we fi I find that um, being a mom is, comes with its challenges as it is. Being a mom of this kid that has big dreams um, has even more challenges and needs a little bit more support and direction at times. Um, and being a mom that allows that child to follow the dreams that they have for themselves in the most supportive fashion um, also needs a little bit of support and a lot of help sometimes. So uh, that is what I do and that, that's how I coach. <laughs> Well, wow, that's beautiful. So let's go back a little bit. This is a really key point because we often don't see the value and what we're doing at work. That is a good point, you know, and there, there's a, a way to take the benefits, right? We may want to separate the politics and all that stuff, but when you look at it, there's a little bit of politics, especially in the arena with the the moms that you help, right? There's a lot of politics that goes into getting your daughter into that performing arts program. Like you're in New York City, you guys live somewhere else, right? And, um, you know, like the things you have to go to to make sure that she's in the right places to line up with her vision. And, um, you know, definitely taking from corporate America and translating that into your personal life, right? Um, because you are building your child's career. That's so perfectly aligned. And I love that it happened on July 7th, which is like 7-7, right? <laughs> and it was divinely ordained that you can start. Yeah. And you know what? I, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I never even considered that until you just said it. But yeah. <laughs> but look, it's 7714 even. Right. Exactly. And I remembered that like it was yesterday. <laughs> wow. That's beautiful. So like, um, what kind of clients do you work with? I mean, not what kind of clients do you work with, what, what kind of issues um, are they dealing with? Um, I'm sure they're not all, they, are they all athletes, their children? No, no. So I support families with high achieving children in the areas of the arts, okay. athletics, and academics. Okay. So because we have a lot of children who 
need support um, in their academic career as well um, as their artistic and their athletic career. And I think the, the biggest thing that I help parents with is identifying their children's passions and their capacities. Um, I think a lot of times we want our children to be good at the things that we want them to be good at. And we want to support them and push them in the direction that we think that they should go. Uh, and I uh, believe that you cannot argue with data. And so we always start with assessments. And I'm a, I, I use Howard Gardner's theory of multiple intelligences quite a bit and making sure parents understand and that, that helps with both academics and arts and athletics, um, helping them to gauge their children's capacity, but also their passion for it. But I also use uh, Daniel Goleman's theory of emotional intelligence because it is vitally important that we are able to assess the emotional capacity and the emotional health of not only our children, but ourselves. Um, because it can get tense when you're dealing with a kid, you know, that has high, high dreams and high goals and high achievements. They have all these ideas about what they want to do with their lives and how it is that you're supposed to help them. And as their parent, uh, you know, sometimes that can, that can, that can get a little bit tense. Uh, we also use love languages because I think that it is the most pivotal work probably in history, I'm gonna be biased and say in history, <laughs> uh, of how to break down the, the interaction uh, between humans and, and taking things that we often dismiss in our behaviors and making them tangible goals and actions that we can achieve to improve the communication and the peace in our homes. Because at the end of the day, we just want to have peace of mind when we come home. Like we don't want to have stress outside or stress at work or stress in our, you know, entrepreneur or stress in our whatever it is that we're doing and then come home and have stress and strife, right? We want to have peace at home. Um, and the love languages I think is a, it is pivotal. It is, it is, it is one of the best pieces of work I think for human relationship improvement that's out there. Um, and so I, I work with a combination of, you know, helping families identify their children's strengths and passions, um, helping them improve their communication uh, over those things. Um, obviously, we talk a lot about budgeting because when you have to live for two weeks in New York City, that takes money. <laughs> um, so we talk about home management, you know, in addition to time management scheduling, budgeting, you know, how to find ways to reduce your expenses and, and you know, shift that money over um, into supporting your child's dreams. Um, and then also the marketing aspect of it. You know, if you've got a kid that has big dreams and you want them to get themselves out there, you want them to get their names out there. We live in a digital world now. You know, they got to be online. They have to have an internet profile. Um, they be very careful about it, but social media is a great tool to use um, and I help parents and families understand how to get themselves out there and what it is that they need to do and how to monitor those activities and to connect with the media both online and in person so it's kind of it's a full complement of, of uh, services as it 
relates to the interpersonal communication, um, the intrapersonal, you know, individual uh, understanding and assessment of yourselves, and then how you communicate out to the rest of the world. I'm I'm going back and forth with the muting because I have um, six children and my husband's working from home today. So I understand. <laughs> um, yeah. So I like uh, what you said. I like the combination of scholars that you're choosing to use. Um, definitely, like you know, I homeschool. So my thing has always been the emotional intelligence because yeah. communication is pivotal. I'm all <laughs> about, I want to know what's in your mind and I know that you wanna, you know, change the world, but, you know, we have to be able to understand how we're feeling in the moment and, you know, communicate that effectively. Yeah. Um, I just started, um, I may actually need to hire you because, <laughs> My, you know, four of my kids have played soccer and one of them, she still plays soccer and she's 13. And so now she's on one of those teams and their vision is like, she'll be doing tournaments in the mid-Atlantic region so that these girls who are just starting high school can be seen by colleges. Right. You know? And I never thought when she was six years old that it would get to here, but you know, she did travel soccer and I like that because when you have a lot of kids, you want to know your schedule for the year and that's what I pay for. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but I, yeah, I didn't think about, oh my gosh, like she could pay for a college with this. Mm -hmm. So, um, and that's where the love languages come in because that's really helped me deal with all my personalities here in my house. And <laughs> I do. And some of them seem similar, but not so much, you know? Right. So um, that is amazing work to really bring and integrate these three um, ideas into your life coaching. I can imagine that you really transform families with it. I mean, just being familiar with the work. Yeah. I, I, I hope that it is transformative. <laughs> uh, what I, what I know is that families walk away with a better understanding and a roadmap for how to get there because it's not overnight. Like I don't, I, 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 I cringe when I see um, coaches and speakers and motivational speakers, you know, who talk about um, overnight success and transformation. That just doesn't happen. <laughs> you know, it doesn't happen. I mean, even 90 days, 90 days, I believe, is when you will begin to see the results of your transformation, but you have to keep going. Like, you can't stop at 90 days. And my families, they, they immediately see the differences or understand themselves. And I think that is the key point, is the understanding. Like, you know, before, for instance, Olivia is a touchy-feely. Her primary love language is uh, physical touch. Um, and she gets that from her dad. His primary love language is physical touch. But her physical touch is a different kind of thing. So she's a thumb sucker, which we're working on. <laughs> but she is a rubber. So she wants to 
you know, rub and t she'll, she'll grab my collar and she'll do this and she'll, you know, grab my necklace or that. But if she's feeling super uncomfortable, I know because she will grab my hand and she'll do this. And I know as much as I am not a toucher, <laughs> like I'm, I'm not a touchy feely person. Um, but as much as I'm not a toucher, I know when she does this, that I have to lean in and let her have that moment. And I have to support her emotional health and her emotional well-being in that moment by allowing her to have this touch. Because this touch says to her, I see you, I love you, I understand what you're going through, even if I don't. <laughs> um, but it, it communicates something different to her than it does to me but i know that and so that little bit of discomfort for myself that i can you know deal with not being a toucher means so much more to her than it does to me and as her mom understanding that it is so important that i allow her to have that yeah i i totally get that and for me i actually am a touchy-feely person and most of my kids are but my kids have to be like coddled like babies, even if they're taller than me. And sometimes I'm just not in that place, but I can totally relate to what you're saying. <laughs> I have to like, just, okay, sit on my lap, my 200 pound. No, nobody's that tall, but um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that takes, um, that takes knowing and understanding. So I want to ask you, do you have any programs coming up? How do people reach out to you and work with you? Sure. Um, you can join my Facebook group. It's called Moms of High Achievers on mm -hmm. Facebook. You can search that and follow me on social media anywhere, the mom on the move, everywhere on social media. Um, but in my Facebook group, I will be starting um, some live coaching um, for toward the back to school time to get parents and families prepared for going back to school and how you can, you know, set your child up for the best school year ever and advocate uh, for them throughout the school year, sharing some tips that I think all parents should know and do um, when they're going, when their children are going back to school. Um, and if you're in, in that group, uh, I'll be sharing my fourth quarter um, service that'll be coming out, the coaching group that'll be coming out for moms of high achievers and helping you take your child's platform to the next level and all the things that you need to do as far as identifying and discovering their gifts um, helping to set a schedule and a home life that is supportive and functional for you uh, as the parent because you have to be functional uh, in supporting and helping them go after the dreams that they have for themselves and communicating to the rest of the world the special gifts that your children have. So that'll be a fourth quarter program. So if you join the group now, you'll see that. And then every Monday at 12 noon Eastern, I say every Monday, except this coming Monday, I'm taking that off because <laughs> we'll be coming back from New York. You deserve that. <laughs> <laughs> but most Mondays, Mondays at 12 noon on the Mom on the Move Facebook page, we have Motherhood Monday Live, where I am sharing tools and resources for moms to help support their high achievers one accomplishment at a time. And the next time we go live, our guest will be Miss Cordelia Dubar. So you guys are going to want to join that on Monday, July 2nd. 
Um, but that is pretty much every Monday at 12 noon. We have had um, everyone from a, a scholarship program that helps you identify and find scholarships for your kids uh, so that your children can go to college debt-free. Um, this week we had a efficiency expert that helped us figure out how to get our to-do list done uh, every week with a patented system called the long list short list system with Amira Martin. Um, we, and we've got some awesome um, guests coming up lined up for the rest of the summer. I'm super excited about the summer hair episode and how we can prepare ourselves and maintain our hair throughout the summer, especially for those of us who have, you know, natural ethnic curly hair. <laughs> I got you. Um, so just resources, you know, to get through, because as an athlete, you know, Alexandra, we go through some challenges with her hair in the summer. You know, she's on that track five days a week and it's sweaty and it's hot and it's sun dried and it's, you know, just, it, it's, we need some help. So <laughs> I'm sure if we need some help, there's several other moms out there who need help with their daughters and their hair or even their sons and their hair. Cause a lot of, you know, boys have a lot more hair these days. <laughs> yeah, they do. But you can join me every Monday at 12 noon. We'll be live streaming. It's Facebook Live, so the videos live on. So if you don't catch it at that time, you can watch them later. They're about 30 minutes long. Um, but then, you know, join the mom, Moms of High Achievers, or you can just read my blog at themomonthemove.com. Shoot me an email. Let me know if you have a question. And uh, if I can help you, I definitely will. I, I, um, I'm so happy that you offer your Facebook Live show now. Um, my, my daughter actually she doesn't cover so hair is an issue for us too so mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I would like her to cover that would reduce the issue but you know then there would be some other issues so I mean as far as her you know because it we're looking for a certain fabric then mm -hmm. you know. but anyway so that's great and um, I'm gonna post the link to your Facebook group and to your um your blog and to your page so people can find you anywhere and so one last question if you have a minute yeah okay um what would be the three top takeaways from today's conversation oh i think takeaway number one is that you are your child's first and best advocate and don't let anybody tell you differently you um you know that child inside and out. And while there may be people who have more education, more experience, um, more knowledge about an individual subject than you, no one has more knowledge about your child. And so work to partner with your child's teachers, coaches, um, educational system, whatever it might be. Uh, and takeaway number two is if it's not working, don't hold yourself hostage. <laughs> you do not have to stay in a situation that's not working for you. You know, you have every right and the ability to find a situation that works better. Um, and it has to work for you and your child. Uh, and I think the third thing is stop letting your emotions boss you around. We can't, um, we can't stand in the way of our children's development. We can't stand in the way of our children's success. We can't stand in the way of our own peace of mind. And we can't stand in the way of, you know, calm and happy and healthy serenity in our own families. Um, and so when we step out of ourselves for just a moment, set our emotions to the side, look at the facts of the situation, 
and find what works for you individually and collectively um, will be on the right path to helping to support the dreams that our children have, but also in a way that makes it easy and functional for us to do so. See, all my lovely viewers and listeners, this is why I had to have the mom on the move, Anitra Duran Allen today, because look how seamlessly she intertwines that self-nurturing and that mm -hmm. calm and that peace and keeping the chaos outside of your house. It's, it's pivotal, right? It is definitely. It's the only way to support yourself and support your children. Thank you so much for Thank being you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you're just awesome and amazing. And please, everyone, if what she says is something you need or resonates with you, please reach out to her. And um, and she does actually respond to her emails. So I know a lot of people say, send me an email, and it just like sits in the box for weeks. She's not that person. She's she's available. So. Again, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Replenish Me Show. I hope you've gained some new strategies today that help you to um, find your calm and create your system of self-nurturing. Bye. Did you've had some time to yourself, unwind with yourself.